welcome to the Beautiful Life Podcast. This message is by Nigel Desmond. So, um, I've got a, a word that's actually really burning in my spirit, and I kind of, uh, I bounced off it a little bit on Thursday night at School of the Spirit. But earlier this week, I woke up with this phrase that was just um, sitting in my spirit, uh, weapons of mass distraction. And um, I, I feel like, I feel like at this time, this is a strategy that has been released in the world by the enemy. Um, he's releasing weapons of mass distraction to stop us from stepping into what God has for us in this time of our lives. And uh, to stop us from stepping in to the fullness of God's plans and purposes for, uh, for this time. And the reason I say that is I believe that we are living in the greatest move of God in human history. It has already begun. That God is raising up across the world an army of joy-filled lovers who are destined to revolutionize the entire way the world works. That is God's purpose. In fact, um, for over a generation now, about 40 years, there's been a prophetic word that's, that has been released that um, there is going to be a one billion soul harvest in our time. And I believe that that has already begun. And that if the, when that happens, one billion souls coming into the kingdom of God globally, it will change the fundamental nature of society. And uh, as a result of that, we see the opposite. <laughs> as a result of that, we see the opposite. But people of faith, people of the kingdom need to learn to see as God sees in order that we can partner with God, what God is doing and do what God is doing. Remember, Jesus said, I do nothing except what I see my father do. And so it's really, really important that we understand what, uh, what the purpose of this time is and how we as Christians are meant to, uh, to respond. And why is the enemy releasing these weapons of mass distraction? Because the Bible says of us, the way we live, the way you mediate your life in God is this. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. All right? The just shall live by faith. Problem is, for many of us, we don't understand what the Lord is meaning by the just shall live by faith. And so what ends up happening is we approach the things that are happening in our lives. Say there's an area you're trusting God for breakthrough in or uh, there's an area you're challenged in or there's just an area that you grow in. And you look at this big concern or worry or thing that you're looking for break and you bring your faith to it and because we think faith is like just strong belief we think it's like positive thinking and we bring up positive thinking to try and move our mountains and we get weary because our mountains don't move and then we then begin thinking this faith thing doesn't really work but that's not it at all. Let's have a look at the origin of that phrase, um, the just shall live by faith. So turn with me in your Bible to the book of Habakkuk, and let's see um, where that was first. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. 
God answers uh, uh, the prophet. Verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1 says, I will stand my watch. I will set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not, uh, not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. But the just shall live by faith. Now, this, this passage, I'm going to unpack it a little bit, but it's, it's amazing. I believe that this is a prophetic word for us at this time. God's calling us to the ramparts of nations. He's calling us to the rampart of our nation. He's calling you to the rampart of your life. And he's saying, get on the rampart. The, the rampart speaks about the watchman who would look for what the enemy was doing. But he, he would also be standing there. The, the watchman would have two important jobs. He would look for enemies, obviously. But his most important role was he would stand there and wait and watch for the king. Because if the king came, they needed to be ready to greet the king and what the king was doing. And I want to say, I believe that the Lord is calling us to the ramparts. He's saying... Stand up and watch and see. Because, and notice here, he's saying, I will set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me. Now that, by the way, prophetically, such an interesting phrase. I'm watching to see what he will say. I don't know about you, but I stop and listen to what my wife will say. It's, it's that, that's the closest I could get to, you know, <clears throat> the king. She's the queen in our home, definitely. But this says, watch to see what God will say. Because very often, when God is speaking in your, uh, in your life, He uses non-audible clues, and the prophetic comes non-audibly, like through different, uh, different experiences. And we, we actually need all five senses to hear the Lord. If you want to live a prophetic lifestyle, you need to be listening with all you are because God is always speaking, but He's not, he's not always speaking in, uh, in words. And so He says, watch to see what... Uh, and then uh, later on it says, it, um, <coughs> verse 3 is amazing. It says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. In the New, in the new American Standard Version, it says, it hastens towards the goal. Here comes God's word, hastening towards the goal. If you go to the re- root word of the word hasten, it means it literally pants towards the goal. It has, it has this picture of a runner coming toward, uh, towards his, uh, to the uh, finish line. And he's tired, but he, and he's breathing hard, and he's running into the purpose, uh, purposes of God. And then it goes on and says, but the just shall live by faith. What's, what, why, why is that just thrown on the end there? Because this is a description of the life of faith. The description of a life of faith is that you get onto the ramparts and you, and you begin to see what God is saying. That's what faith looks like. Faith doesn't begin with, oh man, there's all these issues, all these problems, all these challenges. Oh my goodness, what, uh, what's going on? Let's apply faith to destroying that. No, no, that's not the life of faith. 
The life of faith begins with climbing onto the ramparts and you watch and you see what God is saying in the nations. And God is speaking over the nations right now. Nations are up for grabs. God is raising up a generation of men and, uh, and women who will make a difference in the world, who want their life to count more than just a little bit. They want to change the world. And I believe this is a company of world changers. But the way we will be world changers is by partnering with what God is saying and with what God is doing. And that means that we, the just, those who have been made righteous by faith, shall live by faith. So that's why there is such an onslaught that has been released in the visible realm. Whenever, how many of you have ever noticed if God gives you a prophetic word? Man, that word gets tested almost immediately. I, I remember a couple of, uh, when I was younger, the Lord gave us a prophetic word when he called us into ministry. He, he sent us into ministry with this word, do not fear. And I was like, cool. It was only later that I realized that when the Lord says to you, do not fear. Now when the Lord says to me, do not fear, I'm like, why? Oh, whoa, let's talk about this. Isn't it like a little while ago, I actually heard the Lord say that to me and I heard the Lord speak to me, do not fear. It was like he was put his hand on the door handle of a house and he looks at me and says, now don't be afraid. And he walked in and said, follow me. And I was like, ah, can we talk about this? Come back out. Oh, why? Because you know what happens is, is the Lord releases his word and the enemy all immediately comes to contest that word. He will contest that word. If the Lord says to you, I am going to prosper you. The enemy will come and test that word. I, I remember a guy, he got a, prophet, a prophetic word, the Lord's going to promote you. He was so excited. Went into work that, uh, that week. He hadn't had a promotion for a number of years. He was so excited for his promotion that he got this prophetic word. Two days later, he got fired. And he was like, you're kidding me. Came back. God, you meant to be prospering me. What's this? I thought I was getting promoted. And he had a word about being promoted. He was just so upset. Went into two months, well, two, three months of uh, unemployment. Then he got headhunted by another company. Went to a different company at a high level and a high... And finally he was like, ah. Okay. You were promoting me, but you couldn't promote me there. You were promoting me over there. Now, what do we do then when God releases his, uh, his word? Well, it says here, write the vision. When God gives you promises for your life, you need to capture your promises. Because when the warfare comes, you'll forget them. When the warfare comes, when the enemy comes to contest that thing, you'll be lying there awake at night going, oh, what did he say again? What was that thing about prosperity? What, what did he say? When the fear begins to hit you and grip you, you, you have forgotten. But the Lord says, write it down so that you can run with it. Because though it tarries, and that's a problem with God's prophetic words. God is so patient with his prophetic words. Way more uh, patient than we are. Isn't that right? He's so patient. 
I mean, even with our prayers, I, I told you the example of where the Lord gave me a, um, he gave Debbie and I a holiday that we'd asked him for uh, 20 years previously. It's like the Lord said, there you go, when he gave it to us. And I was like, what? And, and I knew he, what he was talking about. I'd asked him for this thing 20 years ago. I was like, hey, I kind of like expected to be a little quicker, Jesus. But he doesn't forget his promises and he gives them just at the right time. Amen. So what happens is, is when God releases his word, the enemy often releases these weapons of mass distraction. He distracts you. God's got a purpose in life. He's got, a, got something happening. And it's like the enemy pops up and he's like, look at me, look at me, look at me. Ah, 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 look at me. And, you're, ah, ah. and so what the enemy does is he, he tries to distract us. And that's exactly what's happening right now. When in 2000, um, there was a shift prophetically. I believe that uh, we, we saw something and that in the spirit, God was releasing something. And uh, the, the decade of 2020 vision, and we were going to see, and then we had COVID, a global lockdown. Isn't that crazy? There were prophetic words about God filling stadiums. And then people weren't allowed out of their houses. Think about that for, uh, for a moment. You're, the whole world, I don't think it has ever happened, ever, in human history, that the vast majority of humanity was confined to their homes for that period of time. Now, if you see that, you have to ask yourself the question, what is God saying and what is God doing? Because the just shall live by faith. And we have to live differently to the world. We have to see what God is doing. And we have to say what God is saying. So that we can partner with that. And track with his purposes in the earth. And so the enemy. He's over there shouting. He's like. Be afraid. I'm bad. I'm bad. There's no hope. God has left you. Maybe in a particular area in your life. You're feeling like. Maybe you're feeling like, oh man, you know, I'm, I'm really challenged in this area. There's, there's no hope in, at work. There's no hope in this relationship or in that relationship. And the, the enemy is just shout, uh, shouting his fearful lies at you. But God's got a word over you. Yeah. Amen? Amen? So what has God said? Here's some things that God has said during this hour. First thing is, this is a word for this hour that I believe God is releasing over each one of us. Do... Not be afraid. Don't be afraid. You know what? It's not, he's not saying it because something fearful is coming. He's saying it because there's a wave of fear that's been released over the earth. I don't know if you've noticed it, but right now I have, I have in the spirit. I have been contending against a spirit of fear more than I can remember in a decade or two. Rational fear, irrational fears. COVID is released. I, I think the COVID has released almost into the bloodstream of nations. Fear. We, we are more afraid now of things that, than we've ever been before. But you know what? Fear is a choice. Fear is a choice. You can actually partner with that fear or you can say, listen, I'm going to live with my faith in God 
Because I see that God is good and He's a trustworthy God. I'm going to rise up and I'm actually going to believe God to make a difference. That yes, there's warfare going on, but I know that God is good and He's got a plan for my life and I will overcome and He will provide all my needs. Whether it's, you know, health-wise, whether it's work-wise, whether it's provision, whether it's just in seeing society change. I don't know about you, but man, I feel like the world went mad at, at some point in the last five uh, years. Where, I mean, where the most basic things that our grandparents would never have questioned, for example, the whole gender question, you know, are, are, are boys boys and girls girls and men men and, uh, and women uh, uh, women? These were basic questions in previous generations. Now we don't even know that. And and Christians look on and the world seems to be changing so rapidly. And and Christians have been cowed into silence. And said, well, well, we don't really know. We're not going to say anything. But the reality is that actually we are not called to be afraid. And I love something KB said at the beginning of the uh, the service. KB said... You know, when you know what you believe, you can approach the world with compassion. You can approach the world with compassion. It's only when you're a little bit insecure in what you believe that you, you almost have to approach the world with a bit of aggression. I'm paraphrasing Gaby. But yeah, that's, I, I, I did a fairly good job. Yeah. It's okay, Gaby, don't be afraid. The just shall live by faith. Now, look at this... <laughs> I, I just so love Hebrews ah, because it's the faith chapter. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You see, again, faith begins in the unseen realm. As we learn to see in the unseen, we see from God's perspective and we, 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 we begin from heaven. We begin seeing what God does. And we take that heavenly vision and we apply it to earth. We don't begin on the earth and look at what's happening on earth and try and bring faith to it. No, you begin from God's perspective. And so this whole chapter then goes on and it's the hall of faith. It speaks about the great heroes uh, of faith. And you see what, what lives of faith look like. And these are uh, people who, because they've got their eyes in the unseen realm, they do tr- uh, track through, many of them just track through really difficult stuff, difficult times. But they make a difference and they live with faith because they're seeing from the unseen and bring faith to, uh, to apply. And then we uh, get to Hebrews 12, verse 1, and it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surround- surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race marked out for us notice it's an endurance race not a sprint and uh, looking to jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of, uh, of the throne of the throne of god and so we, we see that the strategy here is that we've got the, the, the cloud of witnesses. Who's that? That's the people who lived with faith in previous generations. 
They're watching us run our race. They've, they've run their race. They've modeled uh, their race. They've modeled what uh, a life of faith uh, looks like. We get to do it in our generation. We get to do it in our generation. We get to change the world in our generation by faith. Amen? And then, uh, then it uh, says here, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on, uh, on Jesus. So that's the, ne- uh, the next thing I want to say is that don't be afraid. We live, uh, live by faith. And we fix our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because it's in Him that we see the answer. See, because the enemy, he wants to get your eyes off Jesus. But we fix our eyes on Jesus. Keep on looking, looking, uh, looking at Him. And um, I told this story a couple of months ago, but I'm going to tell it again, and you're just all going to pretend you've never heard it before. Um, story of Charles Blondin. The story is told of Charles Blondin when he was, he was walking across a tightrope. He was the great tightrope walker. And he, he, they set up a tightrope across Niagara Falls. And, and he, um, he walked across Niagara Falls with his pole. And there were crowds on both sides cheering for him. And then he, he turned to them and he said, do you think I can do it again? And they said, yeah, we, you're amazing. We, you know, we, we believe you can do it again. So he went back again, this time with a wheelbarrow loaded with a sack of cement. And he just walked across and he said, do you think I can do it again? And everyone was like, yeah, you're amazing. You're the great Charles London type walker. Woo! Do it again. So he said, if you really believe I can do it again, get in the wheelbarrow. And the crowds went a lot silenter. <laughs> but one guy said, I believe you can do it again. And I'll get in the wheelbarrow. And sure enough, the guy got in the wheelbarrow. And they were halfway across, walking across the, uh, the, the tightrope. When a guy who was betting against, because bets were going both ways, a guy who was betting against him making it snuck forward and severed one of the um, support cables of the thing. And as a result of that, suddenly this tightrope started just whipping side to side uh, like this. And Blondin was trying to hold it together as much as he could. The guy in the wheelbarrow was obviously uh, terrified, but at a certain point, Blondin realized. This is, I'm going to drop this wheelbarrow. I can't hold the wheelbarrow together. But he looked at the guy in the, wheel, in the wheelbarrow and he said to him, look at me, look at me. And the guy was absolutely petrified, holding onto the wheelbarrow. And he said, if you want to live, look at me. Let go of the wheelbarrow. Climb up, put your arms around my neck, put your legs around my waist and hold on to me. The guy was just paralyzed with fear. Again, Blondin looked at him and said, Look at me! Don't look at anything else. Just look at me. If you want to live, wrap yourself around me. I will get you to safety. The guy dropped the wheelbarrow, climbed up onto, uh, onto Blondin, literally wrapped himself around him, and Blondin actually managed to carry that man to safety. You know what? That's often what the life of faith feels like. We start out and we think, I, I can do this. I believe you, Jesus. You're amazing. You can take me to the other side. And you, the Lord says, get in the wheelbarrow. And you're like, woohoo, wheelbarrow ride. Cool, cool. And we feel safe in our wheelbarrow. The Lord's taking me across in a wheelbarrow. Halfway across, things start to shake crazily and madly. And we think, I'm going to die. 
And so as a result, what do we do? We hold on to the wheelbarrow. Because it's the wheelbarrow that Jesus gave us. It's Jesus' wheelbarrow. <laughs> and we hold on to the wheelbarrow because the wheelbarrow is going to get us to safety. And all the time, Jesus is just looking at us and shouting us, Look at me. Hold on to me. I'm the one that will get you through. I want to tell you, that's our story now. It's not the economy that's going to get you through. It's, it's not the government. You know, every political cycle in, in every nation, Christians get so excited about one particular uh, political party. There's always a party that we're backing. I'll tell you what, things are going to change. And it's like, you know, <laughs> seriously, Jesus, really, again? What, what happened, Jesus? There's no way. Oh, we're going to hell. We're going to hell. And, and, you know, the problem is we're holding on to these wheelbarrows. We think that's, no, 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 actually, our faith is never meant to be in, in this wheelbarrow or that wheelbarrow or, or this political party or that political uh, personality. Our faith is meant to be in Christ. And look at Him and hold on to Him because He's going to get you through to the other side. Third thing I want to remind you is God works, the Bible says, God works all things for good for those who love the Lord and who've been called according to His good purpose. I want to tell you that you are all called for God's good purpose, every single one of you. You choose to love the Lord. Amen? You choose to love the Lord. And I want to tell you that no matter what's happening in, in the world right now, even the things that are really scary, I want to tell you, God's working them for your good. I'm not saying He caused them, but He will work them. He will work them for your good. He will make sure that, uh, that, that it will work out for our benefit and for the benefit of the kingdom. And so trust Him. And finally, I've said this point already, but I'm going to say it again. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Lay, uh, that, that passage that I read says, lay aside everything that hinders. Lay aside your bitterness. Lay aside your cynicism. Lay, uh, lay aside your disappointment. Lay aside your broken hopes and dreams. Lay aside those things that are stopping you from entering into the fullness of what uh, God. Lay aside your, uh, and the sin that so easily entangles. See, sin, sin just messes you up. Stops you from running. It's like, a, it's like a net that just entangles your feet, drains you of your faith, makes you feel alienated from God. But remember this, that Christ has dealt with your sin. Jesus has dealt with your sin. He has forgiven you. He died on the cross to remove your sins. So lay, uh, lay it aside. And run with endurance. It's a long race. When, <laughs> when I got born again, when I first went into the ministry, I just had this vision of this long, straight race. Uh, no, it's a steeplechase. You've got to swim through ditches, climb over mountains, climb over fences. There's detours. There's all kinds of things. But you just got to keep going. There's so much unexpected that will happen on your race. But run. Amen? And you know what? One of the things that was most discouraging often was opposition. You know? Consider him who suffered such hostility from uh, sinful men that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Ah, I couldn't believe it. When I first uh, went to diminishing, my wife and I, we planted a church and I fully expected all the Christians to be so excited that we were starting another church in town. 
Well, it didn't kind of work out that way. I was shocked. I thought everyone was like, wow, this is so exciting. You've come to do the Lord's work. But no, it was, it was not, 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 that was not the feedback we received. Let me put it that way. And it, it made me feel discouraged at times. But you know, don't be discouraged when you face opposition. Opposition is the very thing that will make you go into what God has for you. You know, if you, if you take a, a motorboat and you put it in outer space, you can run the engine as fast as you like, but it ain't moving because it's got no resistance. It's nothing to push against. So sometimes the resistance that you're feeling is actually just the, the bow wave of your life going into the fullness of what, of what God has got for you. Amen? Don't lose heart. We hope you have enjoyed this message from Nigel Desmond. For more information, please visit nigelanddebbie.org.